The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Greetings, I'm Rob Cox, the editor of Breaking Views in New York. Mike Novogratz swung by Times Square this week to talk about Bitcoin. Now, you may know Mike from such other money-making ventures as Goldman Sachs, where he was a partner, or Fortress Investment Group, the hedge fund and private equity firm he co-founded and which was the first to go public on the stock exchange. Mike had a little bit of a rough patch running a macro fund over at Fortress, so he left a couple of years ago. But man, the dude has bounced back. His personal trading in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, as they're called, over the past two years netted him something like $250 million, biggest trade of his career. Now he's starting a $500 million hedge fund that will invest in what he tells me is going to be a new asset class for the world's biggest fund managers. We discussed his enthusiasm for Bitcoin, initial coin offerings, and some other stuff when he swung by Times Square. But that's not all. Did you know Mike financed Birth of a Nation, the movie about the Nate Turner slave rebellion? We also got into politics and wrestling, not necessarily in that order. Give a listen to my chat with Mike Novogratz. Okay, so Mike... You know, you've, you've created quite a few headlines over the past couple of weeks and months over your investments in Bitcoin. You've created a $500 million hedge fund, Galaxy Digital Assets Fund, to invest in cryptocurrencies. Meantime, a lot of folks here on Wall Street, Jamie Dimon among them, think uh, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, is, is, you know, for, is something like the Amsterdam tulip uh, boom. Um, but you've made up money off of it. What's your, I mean, how do you look at this? You know, I think... If you dig in and do the work, Bitcoin, the blockchain, which is the technology Bitcoin is built on, uh, the whole cryptocurrency revolution is real. To start off, it was an amazing technological breakthrough. To kind of simplify it, you know, Satoshi or whoever Satoshi was, really the genius of it was it was the first electronic thing that you couldn't counterfeit. Right. And therefore, you couldn't pay it out twice. If I have something on a blockchain and I sell it to you or give it to you, it's no longer mine, it's yours. Right. And that sounds simple, but that was an amazing... Well, there's a real purity to it, right? A real purity to it. And there's a networking effect. As more people get involved, uh, the system gets stronger. There's also this effect that as because people who are participating own it, hmm. they have the incentive to do good. I just spent uh, two hours at Bank of America talking to 15 of their most senior people trying to educate them on Bitcoin. And, and in some sense, that's philanthropic time. The other <laughs> sense, it's not at all. I own a lot of Bitcoin, and I'd love Bank of America. To a get wider that. adoption by the, one of the world's biggest banks would, would be a huge would, uh, shot in the arm. For of course. And so everyone in the community, in the system, has an incentive to be a good participant. Listen, the digital revolution is about a lot more than Bitcoin. Hmm. It's It's... At its core, it's a decentralized revolution. And it stemmed from the fact that after 08, people started losing trust in, organiz- in, in institutions, trust in banks, trust in governments. And, you know, there's a real r- radical core to this. Right. Of there's a different way to do business. And you're now seeing it. You're seeing young people flock to the blockchain space. Uh, I'm seeing cool, disruptive businesses in almost every vertical. And each of these businesses is like its own ecosystem. And so there'll be a coin for online gambling. Uh, There'll be a coin for digitalized ride sharing. Right. And, you know, 
some different of currencies for different realms. For different realms. Yeah. And they're not even really currencies. Right. They're like, because I don't think we're going to not use the dollar. They're stores of value. They're stores of value, and they become access to this these ecosystems yeah. where the ownership gets spread out, and so it's pretty radical. So how do you? You've made talk, talk to me. You you made like a, a ton made, of money. I made lots of money. <laughs> how did you do that? You know, I, part of that is having money to start, and mm -hmm. so you know, my first bet. While it was a small amount of money as a percentage of what I owned, it was still right. a large amount of money for, for most people. And so, you know, I bought Bitcoin way back when it was $100, and I bought Ethereum when it was at a dollar. Um, Bitcoin's now kind of split-adjusted at close to $8,000, mm -hmm. and so it's 80 times, and Ethereum's at 300, and so that's 300 times your money. Right, right. And so you don't have to be a genius if you buy things that early. Right. Uh, now, it was hard holding on to them because... It, yeah, how did you not sell when you got to 100 times? <sighs> you know, I sold some. I just bought yeah. enough that I could sell some and sell some, and then all of a sudden you're, you have this amazing, stupid concept, but it works, of the house's money. Like, that, money is just money. There's no mm -hmm. such thing as the house's money. Right. We fool our brain into, into saying, well, I'm playing with the house's money and I'm letting it ride. Right. What I learned as a macroeconomic investor is great fortunes are made in trend. Right? They're, they're made in trend. Right. All the great fortunes in the world are made in trend. There's very few people that are counter-trend investors that make great fortunes. Right, um, right. Bill Gates bought Microsoft. It just kept going up. Right, you know? right, right, right. right. <laughs> so Jeff Bezos, richest man in the world, solely because of Amazon. Right. Um, Amazon's Or owning bonds over 30. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and so... You know, learning that as a macro guy and kind of handcuffing yourself to the chair and holding on to some of this stuff. You have to put metrics around it. You know, so Bitcoin, my belief is its use case is just digital gold. It is a store of value for the new era. And it's hard for a 60-year-old to understand, like, why would anyone want to own Bitcoin when they could own gold? Right, right. Yeah, but my 16-year-old, he lives in his phone. His life is digital. And so it's a much more, it's an easier jump. And it's got the same principles. There's right, a limited right. amount of Bitcoin. There's a limited amount of gold. You know, it's becoming a store of value. It's I, no, I get that. But if like if you use gold as the analogy, you know, gold didn't just keep going up forever and ever. It's gone up. It's crashed. It's come down. It's not. You know, if you'd owned gold over the last thirty years, I don't think yeah. you'd be doing well. And a Bitcoin will go up. It will go back down. It will we had a thirty percent. You know, nearly a third down, like in yeah. the last week, right? So. And so. To me, that's why it won't be a currency. Mm. Currencies need stability. Currencies, I mean, dollar yet, I traded it for 30 years. Right. Uh, it's plus or minus 10%. And at one point, my wife asked me, she says, why do you spend so much of your time worried about dollar yen? Like, it barely moves. And I was like, ah, good point. Um, <laughs> you know, we were right. pretty levered. But until, you know, Bitcoin would, would reach some equilibrium price, which I don't think it will, it won't be a currency. Right. Um, but it could be a store of gold. Gold's got an $8 trillion market cap, somewhere around $8 trillion, right. and Bitcoin's got a $125 billion market cap. And so there's a long way to go. Another stat I would tell you is that there are roughly, I don't know, 15 or 20 million Bitcoin wallets or crypto wallets mm -hmm. out there. About half of those are really active. So call it 10 million, 12 million. Sure. There are 400 million people that buy and or sell digital swords, helmets, jackets, cloaks to play video games. <laughs> They're called skins. Okay. Let's think, that's 400 million right. people that participate in the skin market. So I if they could put some skin in the game, as it were, with <laughs> yeah. the currency. Well, as they shift to Bitcoin, you know, I mean, that, yeah. that, that the world is becoming digital. And when you buy a, a, a fancy sword, it doesn't even help you in the game. 
Mm. It's just your fashion when you're playing the game. Really? Think about that. Okay. So they're expressing their creativity. They're expressing their fashion in a digital world. Right. And you know, there's not a direct analogy to Bitcoin, but it's the, the sense that as the world gets more comfortable with digital stuff, they're going to get more comfortable. There'll be digital wider world. adoption of it in yes. some way. What, what's the fund? How are, you, how are you structuring the fund? You know, it's going to be a macro. Uh, ironically, I got out of the macro business. I'm right back in it. A macro hedge fund uh, that's going to buy and sell Ethereum, Bitcoin, probably the 25 biggest coins. So take you are taking directional bets on this. We're taking directional bets. You can't it, really short it or hedge it. You know, you? we found ways to short it. Um, it's challenging. you got to borrow coins from other people, but there right. are people out there that will lend you coins, and then you can short it, and then you can get some leverage that way. Uh, right now, there's a big enough tailwind that I think the fund is going to be kind of 65 beta to the market. And so it's going to be a ride. You know, we'll run it at 45 or 50 or 60 vol. Mm-hmm. You know, most macro funds run at 10 vol. Right, right, right. And so people are putting a little less money than they put in a macro fund because you're getting five times the risk. Right, right. Um, <laughs> If where I, where are you going? You're not. I imagine these are not uh, university endowments and pensions. Not funds. yet, but they're coming. Interesting. You think? I, I have sat with. I'm not necessarily maybe in our fund, but I've sat with some of the biggest pension funds in the world recently, and done the tutorial. And they've showed up with eight analysts who have done their work, mm-hmm. and they are stone cold serious about looking at this as an asset class. You know. You put 1% of your fund in it, like if it triples, if, you know, or goes up 8x, you feel pretty good, and the worst thing you lose is 1%. You think about how we think about yeah. equities when you're doing an equity portfolio. Most portfolio, yeah, it's a 1% position, a 2% position, and so if you get that shift, and I see it coming, right. it's a tremendous amount of money into the market. Right, and what, what, what kinds of things will you invest in? Will it be ICOs, or in how does that fund, work? In this fund, we're not doing ICOs. Okay. I'm investing in ICOs with my own money still, but for a bunch of reasons, we decided to keep this fund a little simpler. So we're going to do coins once they have enough liquidity mm-hmm. to, to match a liquidity test of ours, so trading $50 million a day. The ICO market still has a lot of regulatory hair around it. Uh, matter of fact, there's been some ICOs that have, I've invested in where I've sent money and wouldn't even sign the docs. Because I was like, you know, the docs are so loaded against the investor in this one. I, bet. I know the guy doing it. I've called him up and told him, if you take my money, I'm going to hit you with a baseball bat. Yeah. Uh, and so I kind of trust the guys there. Right. But I wouldn't want to do that with investors' money at this point. Right. And so... I mean, it's a sort of, yeah, it's an unregulated, gray area with, uh, with a fair amount of opportunity for fraud and, and there are. bad behavior. There are. I, I, I was going to point out a fraud today publicly, and my, my lawyer asked me to wait a little bit, and so I didn't. But, like, we... We, we look pretty closely. There are, there are some frauds. I, I gave a speech recently in San Francisco and was saying, hey, it's the community's duty to do good things because those are the positive reinforcement loops. And, you know, the bad things hurt the, the, the overall system. And whenever there's this kind of a tailwind, right, you've got an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other shoulder, just like an animal house. Right. And it's tempting to do, you know, to take the shortcut and to, and you're seeing a lot, of, not a lot, right. of it, but you're seeing some of it. At the core of this, though, the, the Bitcoin core developers, the Ethereum founders and core developers, these guys are stone-cold serious. They're in it for the right reasons. They see this as a revolution, as a new way to structure business. And so, you know, this is not built on fraud by any stretch. Right. This well, is, you know, like, look, I mean, the railroads, the silver mines, you go back. I mean, fraud is a thing that happens in emerging markets, as yes. it were. So, um, but this one is, uh, you know, it's still very much emerging. Yes. 
And so you have to be careful. What? How does? How's the fund structure? Are you like a two and twenty hedge fund? It's a two and twenty hedge fund. Okay. It's going to be quarterly liquidity after it gets locked up for a year. Um, we're going to try to stay liquid. Uh, a lot of the funds feel more like venture capital funds. We're doing venture ourselves, mm-hmm. but not in this fund. Um, oh, so in venture, buy, you know, the, the picks and shovel guys, the the companies that are doing you buy the, the companies. Yeah, the, the you know, venture, venture is a five year bet. Maybe in this space it's a three-year bet, but it's a five-year bet. And we didn't feel like that was appropriate for a liquid hedge fund. Right. And so this is kind of the, the most kind of, well, the only simpler offering would be just, hey, we'll buy Bitcoin for you or buy Ethereum for you. And there's you know, plenty of people that are, are doing that. It's still relatively difficult to buy for people. you got to set up a wallet on Coinbase or, or Gemini. Yep. And you know, so there's a lot of people working at trying to make that easier. Yeah. I think the moment you can pick up and call your Fidelity rep and say, hey, just buy some Bitcoin for me, you'll have a lot new customers and the price will go a lot higher. And I think that's coming. I think you that's do. coming soon. Yeah. I, I, I Notwithstanding know, people like Jamie Dimon calling it, you know, sort of yeah. some fraudulent well, listen, the, dark the, zone. I can be somewhat sympathetic to big, big traditional hedge funds, banks. They have giant franchises that they want to protect. And yeah. why would they take any risk yeah. when you have the money printing franchise? And, and they have, you know, a government guarantee at the end. You yeah. know, the they also are, at their core, they're rent takers. Yeah. And it's a good business to be a rent taker. The spirit of this revolution is to go after the rent takers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like Uber is a rent taker. They're going to take 25% of every ride that they can. The spirit of the decentralized Uber will be go to, after the rent taker. And you'll, the user of the token will be the owner of the, of the company, right, and so, you know, I I laugh sometimes as you know as a as a rich guy. Uh, in some ways, the spirit of this whole revolution is going after the rich guy, you know, because rich right. guys make their money as rent takers. <laughs> you know? Yes, no, but the new fortunes are created by those who who, yeah. who create a whole new market and or get in the middle of, of uh, established order. Yeah. Speaking of which, you you know, what, you, you know you have a, an interesting career. You started, I mean, you were at Goldman Sachs. For I mean the ultimate rent rent taker, yes. shall we say, um, and and on the bond trading business, which is another you know you're in the middle, you're taking from one and giving to the other and taking in with both hands. But um, you then you you were one of the co-founders of Fortress. Fortress. Do all the, your form your old Wall, old Wall Street cronies? They think, man, what's going on with you, Mike? You know, I think most are uh, watching with amusement, and more and more are getting involved. You know, most of my friends have done well enough that they're they're, they're experiencing a little bit of FOMO, mm-hmm. uh, right? But not a not not a lot because right. they still have their own. They're, they're still doing fine. They're doing I mean, fine. Yeah. They're doing fine. Though you know, I'm seeing more and more get involved, uh, not with their institutions, but with their own money. Right. Just want to have a bet on the table, and I think people are pretty excited about the space. The banks are starting to do these meetings. I think it'll be a while before Bank of America gets involved. Sure. But they're doing the, the, the meetings to try to understand is there a way they participate. Yeah. Other banks, I think, will be there much sooner than them. Right. Um, you know, I mean, Lloyd Langfine has been pretty open about a willingness to at least explore this thing and think, hey, of course this could, could work. Why sure. Not? And Goldman, you know, certainly, like all the banks, have taken big stakes in venture capital stakes in the blockchain right. or, or companies operating the blockchain because they see that as a... As a as a huge opportunity, mainly to you know create more efficiency in the in the sector, but the the coins, the currencies, they just they seem to still be. People make too big of a differentiation between Bitcoin and blockchain. Mm. Like people love to think of those as completely separate things, and they're not. It's it's really you know block, 
Bitcoin is built on blockchain technology, mm -hmm. and it's one ecosystem. It's the ecosystem of, you know, stored wealth, or maybe even money, if you want to think it could get sure. there. I don't think it'll get to money. I think it'll be stored wealth. Right. Uh, but the ecosystem really is a it's a it's a shared database, a shared distributed ledger, and. Think of every company that has databases mm -hmm. where a shared database makes more sense, where no one's in control. Sure. The, one of the unique things is you can't erase it, you can't manipulate it. Once it's there, it's there. And so, you know, the country of Georgia just announced they're going to put all land registry on the blockchain. Mm. That's pretty cool. Right. You know, when Gaddafi, I've said this before, when Gaddafi took over Libya, he burned title. Everyone's title said, I own it all. Right, right. But if it's now on the, now it's on the know, blockchain, when he gets you can't thrown touch out, it. he gets thrown out. Thirty years later, you're like, no, no, this is mine. It says it's right there. Right, right, right. Uh, I, don't, I don't care if you took me. You know, you pushed me off with your army. And so again, where trust gets broken, you know, the blockchain really is a uh, an interesting panacea. Yeah. No, it's well. Can I just stepping back? What you seem to have a very strong appetite for risk, and it's served you extremely well. How did you develop that, or where did it come from? You know, I think it's partly in my DNA, and it's partly. You know, I was born into a big, rambunctious Catholic family of seven. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad was in the Army, so we didn't have a whole lot of money. And my first job out of college was flying helicopters in the Army. And I tell you what, oh, I had no had, risk in that. <laughs> I had just as much fun living on $18,000 after tax per year in Dothan, Alabama, as I did as a, as a millionaire. And I think the knowledge of that or the awareness of, of that allows you to not care so much about the money. You know, listen, at Fortress, we, we made billions and we lost <laughs> billions. And, you know, yeah. while my life changed in some ways, certainly, you know, more, more responsibility, more stuff is more, more work yeah. uh, and more opportunity. Uh, at its core, I haven't been so scared of losing that. Right. I think that allows you to keep I suppose, it. I mean, the big difference, of, obviously, at Fortress, you, I mean, you were the first hedge fund to go public. We were. Really, in the States. And so you had a whole other constituency that you had to think about, of course, which was investors. I mean, what do you think of those guys selling to SoftBank? I think it's a it's a really smart and strategic move. Masasan is is brilliant. They sold to the Vision Fund, which is a hundred mm. billion dollar fund. Wes and Pete are unique uh, and brilliant investors in their own right. Uh, I think one of our mistakes at Fortress we made when we went back is. You know, we had three very diverse businesses run by big personalities, and we never really got great at running the firm that way. Right. And, you know, at SoftBank, they fold into a bigger infrastructure, and right. they can kind of do their own thing with the ability to access, you know, almost unlimited capital. Yeah. And so I think Masa probably looked at this as hiring, you know, great human talent. Yeah, it's kind of like a massive aqua hire. Yeah. If you think about it, right? Um, and it gives them an exit, a graceful exit, when they want to get out. Mm -hmm. My bet is Pete Brigger will be there a long time. You know, he's an institutional guy at his core. You well, know, now they, I mean, if, in theory, if they're part of the, you know, the 100 billion vision fund, one, and there are going to be other vision funds, at least what Masayoshi has said there, there will be. And um, I had the pleasure of speaking to the Crown Prince a couple weeks ago in Saudi Arabia, and he said he'd back two, three, four, five, yeah. um, as long as he's still... Crown Prince. Yes, but, <laughs> as long as he's still Crown Prince. <laughs> yeah. and, what, but after, after Fortress, you also did some of the, you invested in some movies, didn't I you? Did. What was I, that like? So, you know, I invested in Birth of a Nation. My friend, Nate Parker, uh, came to me and he had this idea. And to be fair, he was down on a, 
you know, to the, the last few weeks before he was going to lose his window to make a movie. All these movies are so difficult. And to that Birth of a Nation is the story of the, the Turner Slaver. The Nat Turner Slaver. Yeah. And I originally uh, said, well, I don't know. And then he came back and made his case. And we drank a whole lot of Jack Daniels one night. And I said, <laughs> all right, I'll do it. And, you know, I called a few of my friends thinking, well, I would distribute some of the risk. You were, you were and, underwriting it. And <laughs> underwriting it. And, and, and I remember Pete saying to me, he's like, listen, I, I have a lot more experience with you in movies, and investing in independent films is a really crappy business, and doing a black independent film is a really, really, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, think of it as philanthropy. And I was right. like, oh. Um, and, you know, Nate was like, dude, I'm going to win at this. And he was a wrestler. Mm -hmm. I was a wrestler. He would volunteer at... That's the thing with you, wrestling. I right? like, yeah. you know, you know, wrestling is a sport that right. you suffer in. And it's a tough sport. I've spent a lot of my life, you know, in it or supporting it. And uh, like to take care of the guys in it. And so right. I bet on Nate, you know, he hit the long ball. He made an amazing, powerful movie. It was really... It's a very powerful film. It was really fun to sit next to him and watch him at uh, Sundance. I literally watched him. I was like, that guy's going to be the senator one day. Hmm. But the way he helped, dealt with the cast and crew, the way he dealt with the press, his spirit of the whole thing. And, you know, it was... Listen, it was, it was Did you make any money? We made, we sold for more money than any independent film in history. All right. Okay. And so, you know, it was, it was also interesting how but things... But does that mean you made money? So I made money. Okay, yes, good. I did. I made two and a half, three times my money. I could have made a lot more if the movie didn't get sidetracked. It's not Bitcoin, but at least you, uh, you, you get to influence the culture. I tell you what, I left Fortress, very few people leave Wall Street gracefully. You know, and I, I left Fortress and it wasn't gracefully. My hedge right. fund screwed up. Mm -hmm. yeah. I left, you know... Me, Pete, and Wes had a tough, we're in a tough position, and Randy, to be fair. Mm -hmm. You know, we all owned all our stock, but leaving early was unfair to the other guys, and so how do you square that circle? And so it was a painful process, and, you know, it's nice to get a win under your belt. And yeah. so, like, two months later, I'm at Sundance, having produced the, you know, the best movie, and it was just that psychology of winning again yeah. that I needed. And so, right. forget, well, forget the money. Well, I you made a good it. film, so that's... That felt great. Know, that was, yeah, that's uh, useful, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. What, what, what about politics? I mean, you've been a backer of democratic politics uh, throughout your career. You um, obviously have seen some folks with, with means, like Tom Steyer, uh, who obviously uh, made his career in, 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 in a hedge fund and has now gone out sort of full anti-Trump. Um, but there's a lot of folks, you know, that I talk to who are you know, thoughtful, have means, aren't very happy with the direction of the country. What's your take? Are you going to do something in that realm? You know, I probably dislike Trump as much as Tom Steyer um, in that it's not even all the policies I hate as much. It's mm -hmm. just the, you know, we've got a president for the first time, I think, in history with almost negative empathy and no moral leadership. Uh, I was up at West Point. My father's a West Point grad, and they asked me to mm. come teach a class at West Point. It was a real honor. and was wow, a ton of great. fun. And I was talking to these cadets, and I was like, on the one hand, you're supposed to follow orders. On the other hand, you know, being a leader is about having your own sense of right and wrong. And you guys are in a really tough place because, you know, my, my father had told me, he said, we've mm. never had a commander-in-chief like this. And you can, yeah, the politics or the policies, everyone has, can have a legitimate disagreement on. But there are some things like the golden rules of you know, that, that, just that being transcend decent. that, I think just that's... Just being decent. And, and you know, the, the extreme level of narcissism, the, 
it's, so what are you going to do about it? You got a, you got a plan? It's the absurd. So listen, there, with all this money you've made of Bitcoin, there's got to be something you can do to. Listen, you know, today I, today we announced it was in the New York Times and a lot of places, a big initiative uh, around bail, and so I'm sharing uh, the bail project that we're calling it. Right. Uh, we've raised thirty million out of sixty million. We're going to raise to just bail people out of jail. It is one of the biggest travesties in the criminal justice system that tonight four hundred fifty thousand people will go to bed in a stinking rotten jail cell, having been arrested but not convicted. Right. Most but of without these, the means most to of these misdemeanors. To, yeah. Uh, $500 bail. People don't have the means. Remember, half of America can't afford a $500. Mm -hmm. Trump got elected because half of America can't sure. afford a $500 dental bill, let alone bail. And so if you're black, brown, or poor white, uh, you have a different justice system. Yeah. If it was my cousin or my brother or your friend or anyone working on this floor, they wouldn't go to Rikers for trespassing. No, that's right. And so we've turned our criminal justice system into this kind of bizarre... But that's, that's, a, that's, that's very worthy philanthropy, but it doesn't necessarily... And it, and, it, and it helps people, but it's not necessarily a political act. Well, bailing someone out, I did it. I went up to... The, the, the boat up in the Bronx. Have you ever not... It's the one off by LaGuardia, you see? The, the, this is, that it? This oh, is no. in Hunts Point, and it is a frickin' slave ship that they floated up from New Orleans 35 right. years ago as a temporary jail. And it serves to, to, to keep 950 people. It's like Rikers for the Bronx. Right, right, okay. You walk up, you're like, does anybody not see this metaphor? It no. literally looks like a slave ship in the middle of you know, the harbor, Sandwiched between the fish market, which they removed, you know, they mm -hmm. moved, moved up there, yeah, and, and, a, and a sewage plant. So it either smells like shit or it smells like fish. Right. And you've got 900, you know, black and brown guys shackled on a boat. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is a really nice image for 2017. Yeah, the metaphor there does not look pretty. And you go in and you try to bail a guy out, and it's, and they send faxes to Rikers, and you sit there until someone picks up the fax. They're just the whole system is is done with no thought. Uh, to the dignity of the the the, the completely non, you know, accused but not convicted uh, citizen, sure. you know, and so you finally bail the guy out. You're like, all right, uh, let's let's see who you know, let's see who he is and get his story. Oh no, he won't get out for nine more hours because they got to process him. Right. And they let him out when it's too late to get his collectibles. He's got to come back the next day. And so I was just thinking to myself, just the sheer act of bailing someone out is pretty damn political. It's a middle mm -hmm. finger to the system. It's that the system is, is broken. Right, right. And there's a lot of momentum in criminal justice reform. And then all of a sudden Trump puts in Jeff Sessions and they're all pushing back the other direction. And so you know, there's other things I'm doing politically, uh, you know, supporting different candidates that I think will help and looking at organizations. You know, unfortunately, starting this big crypto business mm -hmm. takes a whole lot of effort. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm pretty... <laughs> so it distracts you from the latest well, tweet or you know, I'm, I'm the chairman outrage. of the board of four separate organizations right. on, on the philanthropic side. I run the Hudson River Park, the Friends Group, mm -hmm. uh, which is political in, in a local local fashion. Right. You know, the wrestling charity. Uh, sure, you uh, got your hands on And so my, my time is uh, more valuable than my money at this point. Right. Well, speaking of politics, we've got a big tax reform bill that may or may not make it through Congress. One of the things that's curious is that even though on the on the trail, the president said that uh, carried interest would be one of the, his targets. Funny enough, it's not neither the Senate or the House. I mean, there's a guy who's obviously you know done well off carried interest. How, what's your view on what should happen? You know, it felt to me in 07 and 08 when it first came up that you know carried interest should be taxed as income. 
I remember getting some fierce fights with some other more uh, conservative, you know, friends. Mm -hmm. The politics interesting around it of partnership stuff is that the oil and gas industry is really where the bigger lobby on that comes yeah. from. Uh, not I mean, the hedge fund industry certainly pushes sure. it, but but because the oil and gas industry get caught up in it, that's where they get that whole group of uh, yeah. congressmen and senators on their side. To me, it feels I mean, like... You also have it in some pharma areas. You've got yes. it, obviously, in private equity. But it just feels to me, just in a in like a fairness thing, if I just said, does that income or, or, or capital gain, I'd say it's income. Right. Just, and so I know people will argue the other side of that. Uh, but even forgetting that back then, I was like, just look at the dynamics of the country and like, give them a bone here. Right, uh, right. Yeah, optic, the optics on this one are pretty... Horrific. Yeah, but I mean, changing the law would be relatively good politics, one would think. Yes, which is shocking. It's think, not with the donor class. You know, I, I, there was a great conversation. I forgot the guy's name. There was a... Byron Wien has these lunches every summer. He's got a couple lunches. Mm -hmm. They're wonderful to go to because you get from the 80-year-olds to the new hotshots on Wall Street, and you're sitting around a table, and there's a great discussion. And there was a guy talking to tax reform about six years ago, and he had dedicated 10 years of his life in D.C. to tax reform, and he came back after 10 years. He's a billionaire. He had retired. He said, I'm going to go get this tax reform done. 10 years, he came back. He said, it's impossible. Like, the, the lobbying is so fierce in each group and that you just make no progress. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, the lobbying around this carried interest is pretty darn strong. Yeah, Otherwise, no, it'd be in there. That's right. That's right. Um, well, good. Thanks for coming by. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it. So does that make you want to rush out and buy Bitcoin? I'm not convinced, but given the riches Mike has made for himself over his Wall Street career, I sure as hell am not going to take the other side of his big wager. Anyway, that's all for this week's episode of The Exchange. This podcast was produced by Ben Kellerman, Ryan Warner, and Freddie Joyner. If you haven't already, please sign up on iTunes and anywhere else you satisfy your audio cravings for The Exchange, The Views Room, and other Reuters podcasts. You can also check us out at BreakingViews.com and on Twitter at BreakingViews and at Rob Wancox. Thanks for tuning in and adios. Thank you.